This is the Intego Mac Podcast. The voice of Mac security. For Thursday, April 22nd, 2021. In this week's Intego Mac Podcast security headlines, once again, there's no shortage of not-so-great news for Facebook. More browsers say no to Google's cookie alternative. Plus, we have a rundown on the load of new hardware announced at the recent spring-loaded Apple event. Now, here are the hosts of the Intego Mac Podcast, veteran Mac journalist Kirk McElhern and Intego's chief security analyst, Josh Long. Good morning, Josh. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you, Kirk? I'm doing fine. In the second part of this podcast, we're going to talk about all the money that we're going to spend on new Apple products that both of us have been waiting for. But first, we've got some security news. We've got Facebook again, don't we? Is this this week's Facebook flub? (laughs) Yeah, there we go. I like that. The weekly Facebook flub. So there's one new attack that's been described. Apparently, there was a coding error that allowed attackers to delete Facebook Live videos. What happened in this case is that an attacker found a way to modify the length of somebody else's live stream. And he found that if you trim it to five milliseconds, which I guess is kind of the, the minimum that you can trim it to, then Facebook essentially just deletes the video. They It, it takes it down to zero seconds, and so it's gone. And, and the owner of the video can't untrim it. They can't undo this. And so that was the, the clever trick that this person found. And they did get a bug bounty for this, which is nice. Um, Facebook actually does have um, a bug bounty program. Uh, evidently, one of them was through an event where they showed off this flaw. And then a couple of other bounties, two additional bounties were awarded by Facebook later on. So this person made several thousand dollars, which is that's that's not bad. Um, and that's what you want to see. Ideally, a security researcher will disclose this to the company and make sure that they can fix this before the details of it become publicly available. OK, on the other hand, we talked about Facebook um leaking 500 million details about users and this 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 data was scraped so someone found a way of trying every single phone number that existed in the world to see if users existed well there's a leaked document where facebook explains that their long-term strategy is and I'm going to quote, frame this as a broad industry issue and normalize the fact that this activity happens regularly. Now, the problem is, while it does happen regularly, it happens regularly because companies are insecure and allow this sort of thing to happen. Yet Facebook seems to want to just move on and say it's not their fault and say it's going to keep happening and that all your Facebook data is likely to be scraped in the future. Yeah, this is a really bad precedent. This is a cop-out. There's no reason why Facebook can't put better controls in place to prevent people from being able to automate this sort of thing and be able to scrape content like this. Facebook needs to do better. They can do better. There is the technology available to do better at this. So this is not a good strategy on Facebook's part. Now, hopefully this leak is not real. Um, there's screenshot evidence that looks pretty legitimate. And if this really is something that Facebook is planning to do going forward, I think that there's going to be a lot of pushback and they're going to continue to run into problems with GDPR uh, and, and other privacy laws because um, frankly, they, they can and should be doing better. Okay. Josh, are you fucked? (laughs) 
Oh boy, we're talking about Flocked again. Federated learning of cohorts, right? Yes, this is this new Google replacement for cookies. More browsers are anti-Google here. WordPress may auto-disable Flock, citing security concerns. And this adds to a list of other browsers, Brave, Vivaldi, DuckDuckGo, Edge, Firefox, and Safari that are not going to use Flock. And so someone set up a website, MIFlocked, A-M-I-F-L-O-C-E-D.org. And if you're using Chrome, you can go there and you can find out if you're one of the people randomly selected to use Flock in Chrome. You and I both wanted to check it out, but there was a problem. Oh, yeah. We're not using Chrome anymore. We've uninstalled it and we're not planning to go back to it anytime soon. Thank you very much, Google. (laughs) So that's probably the best solution. (laughs) Right. This is interesting, though, because now there's a whole bunch of companies that have come out publicly and said, we are not going to support Flock, including all of these Chromium-based browsers. So you've got Brave, Vivaldi, Edge, DuckDuckGo browser has also said they're not going to do it. Firefox and Safari don't use Chromium, but they've also essentially said that we're not planning on using this technology anytime soon. So basically, this is going to be like a Google exclusive thing. Uh, Also, WordPress had a public statement where they actually said that they may, they're considering auto-disabling Flock across all WordPress sites, and they're citing a potential security concern there. So nobody really seems to be liking Flock, so I don't know how successful of an effort this is going to be on Google's part. Before the break, you might have seen some updates of old apps in iOS that say this app has been updated by Apple to use the latest Apple signing certificate. I've got some apps that haven't been updated in years, and Apple is updating a whole lot of old apps because that signing certificate, which is what allows the app to run, needs to be changed for iOS 14.5. If you see these, don't worry about it. The app developers aren't doing this. Somehow Apple's inserting the new certificate into the apps. It's fine. And it's not an update for that app you've had that hasn't been updated in five years. You're thinking, oh, finally, this game's been updated and there's going to be new features, but there aren't. Yeah. In fact, what's interesting about it, if if you uh, go to look at what has changed when you see this update come in, if you tap on that app and you go to the full page for, for that app and you look at the version history, you'll notice the date has actually not changed. And all the previous information that the developer gave about what's new in that release hasn't changed. Apple's just inserted that one explanatory line at the top of the description. Okay, let's take a break. We'll come back and talk about all of the new Apple stuff. Protecting your online security and privacy has never been more important than it is today. Intego has been proudly protecting Mac users since 1997, and our latest Mac protection suite includes the tools you need to stay protected in 2021. Intego's Mac Premium Bundle X9 includes Virus Barrier, the world's best Mac anti-malware protection, Net Barrier, for powerful inbound and outbound firewall security. Personal backup will keep your important files safe from ransomware. And much more to help protect, secure, and organize your Mac. Best of all, it's compatible with macOS Big Sur and the latest Apple Silicon Macs. Download the free trial of Mac Premium Bundle X9 from Intego.com today. When you're ready to buy, Intego Mac Podcast listeners can get a special discount by using the link in this episode's show notes at podcast.intego.com. That's podcast.intego.com. And click on this episode to find the special discount link exclusively for Intego Mac Podcast listeners. Intego, world-class protection and utility software for Mac users, made by the Mac security experts. 
So Apple introduced a whole slew of new products, and I know that both Josh and I found something that we want to buy. What are you going to get, Josh? We've been talking about this now for weeks, about your desire to buy a... Oh, right. Yes, of course. The Apple TV. The new 4K Apple TV. Yes. All new. Finally. Brand new. It doesn't have a built-in display like some of the crazy rumors were claiming, Yeah, uh, which wouldn't have made any sense at all. Yep. And it does have a new remote, which uh, that was, was rumored. Um, and uh, it looks pretty good. I mean, in terms of the functionality, actually, the my first impression upon seeing what it looked like was, oh, that thing is ugly. But uh, once I saw that all the things that it can do, I okay, okay, I, I, I guess I'm on board with the new remote. Yeah, I really hate the current remote. I find it impossible to scrub. I end up touching things and, and it goes up to the top level menu accidentally. And our TV room is somewhat dark if we're watching in the evening. So I press the wrong button and everything's screwed up. So I'm not buying a new Apple TV. I don't know if I might want to buy a new remote, though. That could tempt me to get the new remote. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I hadn't thought about trying to use the new remote with an older model of uh, Apple TV, but I guess that would probably work. It works from the Apple TV HD through the two versions of the Apple TV 4K, so on three different models. Gotcha. Okay. And and given how infrequently they're updated, that goes back almost 10 years, right? The Apple <laughs> TV HD. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Remember, it's just a hobby. Yes. Well, it's still, it's it's the hobby puck. It's it's like it's a hockey puck and it's a hobby. Yes. A hobby puck. So we started with probably the the second least important thing that Apple introduced. They opened with AirTags, and these have been rumored for a while. These are little half-dollar-sized devices that you can attach to, let's say, some luggage, or you could get a key fob to attach to your keys. And they had that clever video of the guy looking for the keys he lost in his couch, and he went down into this like massive purple intestine full of old keys and pistachio nuts and all sorts of things, and he finally found his keys. We were talking before the show... You're not someone who loses your keys often. I'm not either. But just the idea of having that extra security, it's kind of like having an extra backup for your data, isn't it? Yeah. What I th was impressed by with this is that there's so much potential here. And before we get too far into this discussion, I, I guess we should say that there have been competing products on the market. Tile is the most um, popular of them. Uh, so it, this is not um, exactly something that's brand new. But what's different about this is that, of course, this is tied in with the Apple ecosystem. And because so many people use an iPhone, it's much easier to theoretically find a lost device because anytime that somebody walks by that device, it's going to be aware of the location of that AirTag. Right. The Find My app is available on hundreds of millions of Apple devices. And if you have Find My turned on, your device is going to be scanning for other devices. Now, there's no way that you can get any information about someone else's device. This is all totally privacy protected. But it could currently find iPhones or iPads that you've marked as lost. And the same thing is possible with these AirTags. So imagine... I don't know, you drop your keys in a park someplace, right? And there's people walking around and someone comes by and their iPhone's on and it's going to catch it and you'll get an alert and you'll get a good idea where it is. And then when you go with your iPhone, it'll guide you. Recent iPhones from the iPhone 11 and iPhone 12 will actually guide you directionally to where you are as you get closer to a device. Ah, I didn't realize that required at least an 11. So yeah. I may have to upgrade my phone. I was planning to upgrade <laughs> later this year anyway. So Well, you'll get a 13. What's interesting is the AirTags are pretty inexpensive. They're $29 and 
This is pretty much the first time I think that Apple's ever sold something with a quantity discount at retail, $99 for four. Yeah. And and actually, this is pretty cool. Um, The pricing that Apple chose for this, I think, is spot on. If they had gone any more than $29... I think it would have been a lot harder sell for a lot of people. I know if 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 it had been forty dollars per AirTag, I I think I would have been out at that point. But twenty nine dollars or twenty five if you buy it in a four pack, that's actually pretty reasonable and 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 competitive with uh, other products on the market. Now, don't forget you'll need some accessories because the AirTag on its own is about the size of a half dollar. You can slip it in a pocket. You could sew it into the hem of your coat or something like that. But if you want to use it as a, a key fob. Well, you need a key fob device with a ring. If you want to use it as a luggage tag, you need something like that. So Apple's selling their own accessories. They're ranging from $29 to $39. If you're really chic, you can get an Hermes luggage tag for $449. <laughs> Apple's also selling some Belkin accessories at $13. And we looked on Amazon before the show. There's tons of Chinese companies that are selling these things. You you actually do need for most use cases, you need something to put the AirTag in. So that $100 is just the start. You're going to end up spending more afterwards for whatever's going to hold the AirTag. I suppose so. Yeah. But I, again, because there's so many third-party accessories, you're going to be able to find something really cheap that can attach your AirTag to whatever it is that you want to attach it to. Okay. iPad Pro. The last major update was, what, 2018, I think? The iPad Pro got the new form factor, got Face ID. And since then, there have been a couple of incremental updates. But this was a big change. It has Apple's M1 chip. When you heard it's got the M1 chip, did you think the same thing that I thought? I don't know. What did you think? I thought that Macs have M1 chips and Macs can run iPhone and iPad apps now. Will the iPad be able to run Mac apps? Ah, no, I did not think that (laughs) because I don't think that Apple's going to go in that direction. I think that it does make more sense for Apple to go in the direction that they have where an iPhone or iPad app can run on a Mac because a lot of times you don't necessarily need a super fancy interface for uh, an you know, one of these types of apps. However, I feel like when you've got something that's designed to run on a Mac, it can get a little bit awkward to try to move something like that over to, say, an iPad Pro. There's possibility, sure. I, I think it's it's possible that Apple could go that route, but I kind of, I, I don't see that happening in the near future anyway. I can't imagine using, I don't know, something complicated that doesn't have an iPad equivalent, Excel, for instance, or PowerPoint. You've already got an iPad equivalent. But why not make it possible to, I don't know, take a Mac game and port it to the iPad? Yeah, I, I guess that as long as the 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 controls make sense on both platforms, right? That's that's one place where it could get pretty awkward is taking a Mac app that, I don't know, relies on certain things that you may not necessarily have on an iPad Pro. Of course, the the keyboard is still optional. You don't you don't have a physical keyboard that's attached to an iPad, and so that's one place where if you have an app that heavily relies on keyboard or mouse interactions, that may not work very well necessarily on an iPad unless you've got the, you know, the keyboard and trackpad add-on. I'm going to bet you one AirTag that <laughs> next fall, when the next version of macOS comes out, Apple's going to say that you can run Mac apps on the iPad Pro. 
You on? I'd be tempted. I'd be tempted to take that bet. Okay, <laughs> remember that. So, other news that's interesting. Previously, it had a seven megapixel front camera, so that's what you're using for FaceTime, and it was pretty grotty when you think about it. They've moved it up to twelve megapixels. They've got this neat feature called Center Stage. It's an ultra wide camera, and it kind of follows you when you move. So, they showed some people like doing a FaceTime call in a kitchen, and they were moving around, and and a kid comes in from the left, and the camera zooms out and moves. I thought that was really clever. Oh yeah, definitely. And well, and this makes the the iPad Pro compete with some of those kitchen, you know, what what, what are they? Facebook uh, Portal? Oh, Facebook Portal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's one of those d- devices that has been doing something kind of like this, and I feel like this is a a good competitor to that. I like that you don't necessarily have to have something that's like actually physically moving around, you know, head tracking and all that kind of stuff. It seemed like the technology that they're using for this is pretty clever. And I really think that this is going to be something a lot of YouTubers, for example, are going to really, really latch onto. Because, you know, if you're the kind of person who likes to give live demonstrations or, or, you know, or pre-recorded either way, um, this makes it really easy to do that without having to have a camera person, right? If you walk slightly, you know, outside of the frame, it's going to be able to, you know, uh, zoom out and and get you entirely in the frame. That's cool. That's having something like that automatic is really, really handy, I think. Okay. Other than that, the form factor didn't change at all. The chip is new. They have optional 5G. The 12.9-inch model has what's Apple calling a liquid retina XDR display. Now, remember, the XDR display is that $5,000 standalone display, the one where the stand is another $1,000, I think. I think it's not exactly the same, but they were touting all of the micro LEDs and stuff, and it sounds really cool. For most people, they don't really care about that. They were showing people like looking at dailies on a film set and, you know, you're getting the HDR and you're getting the better quality. Yes, if you're a professional. I don't think most people are really concerned by that. It starts at 799 with 128 gigs of storage. That's for the 11-inch. The 12-inch model is up $100 from the previous model at 1099 You can go up to two terabytes on each one, up from one terabyte on the previous models. But of course, they'll run you either 1899 or 2199 in dollars, and that's a huge amount of money for an iPad. But if you're a film director on set and you want to use it to watch dailies, that's just, you know, it's a pittance. Yeah, and th- see, this is one of the things that's always been a concern for me with an iPad, because if I'm going to spend $2,000 on an iPad Pro... Why wouldn't I get a Mac? I feel like you can still do more with Macs, but it, it it all depends on your use case, right? Yeah. And and there are certainly use cases where it might make more sense to have an iPad Pro with you out in the field somewhere. Speaking of the Mac, new iMac, and I've been talking about my desire for a new iMac for months now, and this is exactly what I was expecting. The rumors had it. It's pretty much like kind of the iPad form factor with a chin underneath, and it comes in colors. And that kind of, I just don't like that. I really, and and I'll tell you why. My first thought is, I'm looking at my iMac now. It's got black bezels and the chin is gray. It's neutral. So if I'm doing photo editing, when you're looking at something, you're influenced by the colors around it. And if I had, say, the green iMac with the chin that's green, that green would would kind of change the way I'm seeing colors in photos. So I'm going to get one, but I'm getting the silver. Fortunately, they do have a silver. They've got seven colors. If you look at it from the side, as Apple was keen to point out as many times as possible, they have reached the acme of thinness. It's 11.5 millimeters thin. When you think about it, that's 
a little bit more than an iPad, but during the presentation, they showed why the previous iMac was so thick. My current iMac's from, what's about three and a half years old, and it's the one where the edge is narrow, but it gets thicker toward the middle. And the thick part in the middle is the ventilation, the big fan that has to pull the air to cool the thing off. The new M1 processor is so cool. Like, I have the MacBook Air. It doesn't have a fan. The iMac does have a fan because it's not just the processor. It's got some other things in it that are using more power. But the fans are really tiny. So they could put the fans in that thickness. And it's the same thickness all the way through. Now, it's important to say that I really don't look at the side of my iMac often. I definitely don't look at the back, and that's the bit that's all colored. But if you're working in an office, people will see that. And I bet we're going to start seeing these on TV shows and movies very soon. Oh, yeah. No no question about that. I'm sure Apple has already bought a ton of uh, TV spots for this. So No, no, no. I mean, as... As as people using them in TV shows and movies. Oh yeah, well, but Apple Apple pays for that though. Yes, product placement. That's normal. Yeah, right. I, I am. I have to say, some might be a little bit disappointed with you know seeing Apple going back to all these range of colors, but they didn't go blue Dalmatian and flower power. What happened to those? Oh yes, God, that was that was a blip. Someone took too many. Someone smoked too many funny cigarettes around that to, time. To be perfectly honest, the day that that was announced, I remember going into work and my boss, who hated Apple, was you know showed me this, and I'm like, no, I'm like, you just pulled that off of some <laughs> April Fool's site or something. And not to mention that when Steve Jobs presented that, he was wearing a suit. Now this was in Japan where that kind of made sense, yeah. right? But that was so uncharacteristic of Steve Jobs. I'm like, this is totally a parody site. And then I went to apple.com and I was like, oh my gosh, they really did it. Blue Dalmatian and Flower Power IMAX. I cannot believe this happened. Well, let's just point out that, so we're recording this the day after Apple's event. The Apple event was held on 420. So that could have inspired some of the colorful choices that they made. <laughs> They've got some interesting innovations. The The front camera is finally 1080p. And I know that I do Skype things all the time like this. And I look at people and I'm thinking, this is 2021. We've had these Macs and things for years and years. And why is the video quality so terrible? Finally, better video quality. Yes, I'm a little disappointed it's not a 4K front camera, but it's still a heck of a lot better than it was before. Uh, you, you, know, you see people all the time, unfortunately, on like the news even, where they're like interviewing somebody who's at their home studio especially over the past year as people have been, you know, trying to be responsible and they're not going into a studio necessarily to record a segment sometimes. So doing this from home, if they're using their built-in camera on their iMac or, or MacBook, it's not great looking. And so I'm glad they're, they're at least going 1080. I, I wish they would go 4K, but okay. At least it's a step in the right direction. In terms of audio, the microphones and the speakers have been upgraded, and the iMac can put out spatial audio if you're watching videos with Dolby Atmos. Now, I've never heard this yet. I don't have a TV that supports Dolby Atmos, so I'm really curious about this. So Dolby Atmos is where you get sounds reflecting up and down in different directions. It's kind of a faux surround sound. I'll look forward to renting some movie from the iTunes store and watching it on my iMac and see how this sounds. The biggest change, and we talked about this over the past couple of years, I didn't think this was going to be possible to put Touch ID into a keyboard. I thought that the Touch ID chip had to be integrated into the computer. By default, the Apple's showing three different models of the new iMac. 
on their website. The cheapest one, I'll explain the differences in a second. It comes with a normal keyboard. The two others come with the Touch ID keyboard. I'm very surprised. And not only does this Touch ID keyboard work with the new iMac, it works with any of the M1 Macs. So if you've got a Mac mini that you bought last year, you can use this keyboard. Or if you've got a laptop that you use on a stand, you can use Touch ID on that as well. Yeah, I, I'm really happy to see this. I, I felt that Touch ID really needs to get into more Mac models. And so this is a great thing. I'm really happy to see this being built into um, a keyboard that you can attach to you know, more than one Mac device. Presumably, this same keyboard is, is going to work on other Mac models as well. And as long as you've got the latest Mac OS, you'll be able to use Touch ID to log into it. I think that's brilliant. So there's a difference between the cheapest model and the other ones that they're presenting. If you recall, when we talked about the MacBook Air and the MacBook Pro, the entry-level model only had seven cores instead of eight, and there were some other limitations. Here, it's the same seven-core chip. It's only got two USB ports. Well, they're Thunderbolt and USB 4 ports. The other two models have four ports. Two of them are Thunderbolt and two are USB 3. The cheaper model doesn't even have Ethernet, and I find that interesting. Yet the new one has an Ethernet jack in the power brick. So the cable that comes out of the iMac also has Ethernet in it and goes to the power brick. So you've got one less cable going up to your Mac on the desk, and your Ethernet cable, if you use Ethernet, can be on the floor. Yeah, I thought that was kind of clever. Uh, you know, Apple's all about reducing the number of uh, cables and clutter and things like that, which is why, of course, you have a wireless keyboard and wireless mouse and all that kind of thing. So yeah, it, to have there's nothing that you can do quite yet to avoid having a power cable going to the device. So, I mean, a, a short of like putting a battery in an iMac, which is just, I can't even imagine why anyone would want to do that. So you, you need at least the one cable. And so I, I like what Apple did here. They also have a new connector, uh, a new magnetic connector for the power to go into the iMac, which is which makes sense. They kind of had to do something there as well because of, of how thin this new iMac is. But I think it looks kind of cool. I don't know if it's <laughs> it doesn't have quite the same functionality that the formerly known as MagSafe technology used to be on the MacBook, where you kick a cord and then you know, you can keep using your MacBook. Obviously, that's not going to work with the iMac. One more thing to point out, it's only USB-C ports. So pretty much everyone is going to need to buy a dongle or a hub to use USB-A devices or replace a lot of your cables to USB-A to USB-C. All my ports are used and I've got a hub over to the side for my hard drives. And now I'm going to have to switch everything to USB-C. So that, that's a bit of a hassle. But, you know, we get this every time, right? Every time we change to a new type of connection, we have to go through this process. Yeah, it's all right. I mean, I'm not I'm not too upset about this because we've been moving toward USB-C for several years now. And I think that uh, at this point, Apple is selling a lot more accessories that use USB-C. And, you know, if you haven't gotten one of these little cheap adapters, they're I mean, again, you don't have to buy an Apple adapter for 30 bucks or whatever it costs from Apple. You can get a third party adapter very cheap and just be done with it. OK, before we go. There's one more thing. Okay. They now have a purple iPhone. Oh my gosh. This is one of those things. <laughs> like, I have no problem with purple. I think it's a great color. My wife would love this, by the way. She's a huge fan of purple. And the problem, though, is that we're mid-cycle. So why would you get a 
phone now when you could wait until September and get the latest model. I think lots of people buy phones mid-cycle. Obviously, there's probably twice as many people or three times as many who buy one in September, October as, say, April. But I think there's still a lot of people, people break their phones. Their phones, you know, get old and they're going to buy them all year long. It's kind of interesting because Apple's going very colorful now with more colors for the iPhone. It's not long that they've had colored iPhones. They started with the iPhone 5C, which had C for color, right? All these candy colors. And they've had a few colors for iPads over the years. And then they come out with all these iMac colors and more iPhone colors. And in a way, it's kind of like when the first iMac came out and it was no longer a beige box. And they're saying, these are lifestyle things. These shouldn't look necessarily like tech devices anymore. Sure. Whatever. <laughs> whatever floats your boat. I, honestly, I'm going to stick with the, the standard like space gray or whatever they're calling it these days. Hey, I got a red iPhone. I, I would consider getting a red iPhone. I, I like I like product red, so I, I would go potentially I could go with red. I, other than that, I'm not I'm not super into colors on all my tech devices. Okay, well, that's enough for this week. AirTags go on sale on Friday the 23rd. So we're releasing this podcast on the 22nd. So it'll be the next day. And the iMac and the iPad Pro orders start on April 30th, so a week later, and they're available in the second half of May. So, until next week, Josh, stay secure. All right, stay secure. Thanks for listening to the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, with your hosts, Kirk McElhern and Josh Long. To get every weekly episode, be sure to follow us in Apple Podcasts or subscribe in your favorite podcast app. And if you can... Leave a rating, a like, or a review. Links to topics and information mentioned in the podcast can be found in the show notes for the episode at podcast.intego.com. The Intego website is also where to find details on the full line of Intego security and utility software. Intego.com.